and welcome to the Deep Two MVO podcast. My name's Sean, and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boffer, Mr. Boffman Man. How are we? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Uh, big news. Yeah, big news. Big news. The NBA is coming back. But before we get into that, I just want to kick today's show off by touching briefly on the political situation in Australia, in the US and around the world at the moment that sparked after the murder of George Floyd by US police officers. Obviously, there's been a lot of protests, quite vocal from black communities around the world. And we stand with them uh, in condemning murder and violence on a personal and systemic level of black people. It's really easy to look as Australians to look across the Pacific and see America and say, wow, it's really crazy over there. But I think that this is a really good opportunity for us to look to what happens in our own communities and support Indigenous people uh, in Australia because they face a lot of the same persecution and issues with police and government that black people in America face. And to the black people in America, obviously, the NBA is predominantly black with strong ties to um, black culture and black cities um, across the world. So the NBA uh, has yeah a lot to a lot to do uh, with African American culture, and so obviously they stand with them, and uh, we stand with them too. Well said, and obviously I stand with everything you say too, Dante. And yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. The NBA, we have a date. We have a date and a time, not necessarily a time actually, and we have a bubble that we will all be entering, whether it be virtually or physically. But uh, sorry, all but eight teams. Dante, do you want to run through the particulars of the bubble? This is so exciting that's actually going <laughs> ahead. So there's going to be, like you said, there's going to be all but eight teams, a total of 22 teams. So the top 13 in the West and the top nine in the East will all be invited into the bubble. The way that they've calculated who gets invited is it's every team within six games of the eight seed, so with a realistic chance to make the playoffs or at least some chance to make the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, top 13 in the West and top nine in the East. Each team will play eight games to determine um, the playoff seeding. So pretty much 14 of the... 16 total playoff spots have been secured. Um, the little wrinkle that we thought we might see has been confirmed, which is a plan for the eighth seed. So that will be triggered if the nine seed is within four games of the eighth seed when these eight games conclude. So they'll have someone describe it as pissing distance. <laughs> yeah, if they're in pissing distance, they'll um, be, be subject to a playoff. So in the West, that's a lot more realistic than it is in the East where currently the Grizzlies have a three and a half game lead over the Blazers, Pelicans and Kings. So they're, they're well within pissing distance. In the East, the Magic have um, a five and a half game lead over the Washington Wizards. So it's pretty much, it's pretty what likely that that's, yeah, <laughs> pretty likely that we've, we've got the, the East playoff order set, uh, or the East playoff team set. But in the West, there's um, a lot of room for manoeuvring if, if the nine seed, and it's important to note that even if Portland and New Orleans finish after these eight games tied in the win column and they're both, you know, three and a half games back, whoever, whoever has the tiebreakers to end up as the nine seed will be involved in the playoff and the 10 seed won't. So it's not going to function like every team within four games will go into the playoff pool. It'll just be like a one team. It'll be a two-team playoff. And it hasn't been confirmed, but 
it's expected that that will be a best of two, which is a bit of a weird way of doing it, but <laughs> they've done it that way so that they can give greater benefit to the eight seed. So the nine seed will have to win both games and the eight seed will only have to win one in order to hold on to the eight seed. Yeah, um, and one thing that should be mentioned is because we stopped the season halfway through the season, not everyone is on an even amount of games. So some teams might have played two more games or three more games or vice versa against another team. So it's going to be interesting to see. We're going to get the final word tomorrow, which is probably when people are listening to this, and we're going to get the final word to whether it matters that your team, let's say your team's got one more win, one more loss, and you just happen to play two more games. Does that mean you automatically edge out the team below you and it's just bad luck if you've played literally literally played two more games you're going to have a higher winning percentage if my math's correct yeah i i don't know how they'll do that they'll have to find some way to standardize it mm. i'm sure but, but are you it sure? seems like it's pardon are you sure i am sure i'm, sure. <laughs> I'm positive because it sounds like a pretty it sounds like a pretty equitable solution because you've had guys like dame lillard who came out last week and said, if there's not a realistic chance that the Blazers can make the playoffs, then he's not going to come. He's mm. not going to play. Mm. Um, and what they've done is give all of those, all of those teams a realistic chance to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, if they've positioned themselves to be kind of in the general hunt in yep. the vicinity. Um, so I think that they'll be incentivized to find a way to kind of like flatten the the difference in games played because obviously um yeah not everyone's played the same amount of games i think i think in some instances there's as much as four games difference between the teams that have played uh like the total games i think someone like the um mavs have played 67 games but somebody like the celtics have only played 64 um for example, I think there might be one where it's only 63, but I'm struggling to remember who that is. So, Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed that doesn't come up, but if it does come up, that will be a bridge to cross it then. But Dante, the first thing I want to want to ask you, which is something I don't think you've uttered this word yet in, in the podcast so far, but... Your Please Phoenix ask me, Suns, Sean. Please ask me. Your Phoenix Suns are going to be playing basketball again. So oh, yeah. out of all these playoff-eligible teams, somehow the Phoenix Suns scrape in despite not making the playoffs since you know the mushing or tart years so Dante how are you feeling knowing that you're going to be able to watch your team and I won't be pretty good I'm not gonna lie so one thing that's really important to note that I didn't say just before was that the finals will probably stretch into October so I'm clearing my October schedule (laughs) because I'm fully expecting the Suns to make a run at that eight seed and then do what hasn't been done for 13 years in the West and beat the one seed on the road as an eight seed. It's going to be the We Believe Suns. Well, it's, you know, if you're ever ever going to win on the road and Dikimbo Mutombo style grab the ball and cry on the court, it's going to be in the bubble in Orlando with no fans (laughs) because it'll be, you know, absolute hysterics in that stadium. If no one's there to say it, did it really happen? (laughs) But yes, it will. It will really happen. And this is... um, one thing that I think is really interesting about this whole hiatus is that someone who was ruled out for the rest of the season because the season was effectively lost, uh, like Kelly Oubre, mm. who was diagnosed with a partially torn meniscus. For three months is three months is heaps of time to recover from a meniscus, mm. um, if, especially if they didn't. Uh, 
if they didn't stitch it back up. Like if they just went in and did a little bit of a, a clean snip, snip. out, just, yeah, just a little bit of a snip snip. Uh, then he could be, he could be fit to play, you know, Calibre has been our second best player this season. So uh, that's pretty big for these sons. I'm pretty keen. I'm pretty keen well, to see what we can do, make some noise. Well, that's what I've written down here. I've got two talking points. The, f- the first is, I'll get to that in a second, but the second is this isn't your Frank Kaminsky sons. This isn't, you know, this is Aaron Baines, DeAndre Aiden, whatever that means. This isn't, you know, this isn't Dario Saric and uh, Frank Kaminsky trying to go up against the best in the West. You've got your full squad. Yeah, well, we've got our full squad minus Frank Kaminsky, which is maybe why I feel pretty good about <laughs> our prospects. And my, my final point there was, since you're not playing Frank the Tank, you might go 8-0, and, oh, and that's incredible. That's your finals run, you know? But what if you go 0-8? Oh um, there's probably going to be a rule here where you can't fall too low in terms of lottery ranking. But mm. if you do sort of tank this and you do go 0-8, oh, and, and same with Washington as well, do you think that the NBA's Board of Governors will vote to allow Phoenix to get better in the lottery odds same with same with all the other teams that aren't going to make the playoffs or are you going to lock it in as of today and if you win or lose in this little eight game mini series or mini season that doesn't affect your lottery odds that's an interesting question i'm not sure because the incentive to you know in in looking at like the lottery system um and the way that that's kind of changed over the last few years the changes in the lottery odds where they've flattened it out for the worst teams as a direct response to the NBA perceiving Sam Hinkie to be kind of like flouting the rules and using them like, yeah. you know, against the league. So maybe if they're saying that these teams in the West, like the, you know, that, that realistically like don't have much of a chance to make it. Like I know the I'm Kings. all bravado. No, the I know Kings. I'm all bravado, but yeah. Phoenix, man. <laughs> the Kings, the Kings, the Spurs, the Kings, the Spurs, and the Phoenix Sun uh, probably realistically don't have much chance to get in. Um, it's like it's you know maybe mathematically, but that's probably not going to happen. So in them going though and competing and giving them a go, like they're trying, maybe the NBA is perceiving that as like you know they're trying, and so they they will allow them to um, you know rocket up or down the lottery odds yeah. as um as they see fit. I'm not, I'm not sure. It's an interesting question and yeah. it's something that I wouldn't be surprised if the NBA hasn't figured that out because mm. there's a lot there's so much logistical heavy lifting to do just to get games happening and uh, and like the postseason and you know finish the regular season set in motion and I wouldn't blame them if they haven't thought too hard about the off-season just yet. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the next point, which is I want to say something about Philadelphia's home court advantage because we know that throughout the season, Philly were killers at home. And, you know, they were like the Sam Hinkie Philly teams when they're on the road. They just could not win a game on the road. And I think Philly was the team who played in London, as if I'm not correct. Um, and that's the only sample that we have of them playing in a neutral stadium. So I'm not going to pull anything from that, but is Philadelphia good at home or bad on the road? And how does that translate? I don't know how it translates, but I'll answer your question with a question. So (laughs) another team who is really good at home, like really good at home and who is one of, if not the biggest rival, for the Philadelphia 76ers this season is the Miami Heat. Mm. They were also really good at home and like the Sixers kind of like flubbed the last few games of the season to drop from 
third to fourth. Mm. So here's what I'm kind of picturing. I'm picturing that in the eight games, Philly will be able to jump the Pacers who are currently um, in fifth spot. And I'm, I'm envisioning a, a Heat Sixers 4-5 series in some yeah. order where this entire season we've been saying whoever gets the four seed in that matchup and plays with home court is going to win. Like that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah. But like you mentioned, that's completely thrown out. And Miami is another team where their road record was nowhere near as good as their home record. So are they yeah. good at home or bad on the road? Let's find out. This will be the perfect <laughs> litmus test to figure out which of these teams are actually better because then they won't be able to say, oh, if we were at home, we would have won. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned Indiana. I'm just going to – this is my third point in a row without letting you have a go, but I've got the talking stick right here. Um, it's funny you mentioned Indiana because when Victor, Ola, when Victor Oladipo came back just for what was the end of the season, he played – however many games it was. But he averaged 14 points on 39% shooting, which is not good. And we've talked about Victor Oladipo on this show before, and I'm much higher on him and that one season, that one great season that he had. And if he did rush back too early and wasn't fully healthy, and that's why he underperformed this season, is like a rest isn't the worst thing that could have happened. And maybe if they had known uh, look, i'm not going to i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole but a rest is good for a guy who's coming off an injury and if victor oladipo can be the fully healthy slight superstar victor oladipo that we know this could be a completely different indiana team so it, it's easy to say our oh, philly can jump him but what if they can't well the big thing with philly is in much in the same vein ben simmons was potentially going to be out for the playoffs mm with a back injury that he sustained in March, but he's had three months to rehab that. You yeah. know? And by the time games go, it'll be, it'll be four months. So like if Ben Simmons comes back healthy and Victor Oladipo comes back healthy, there's just all these dudes, you know, all these kind of superstars. We talked about Kelly Oubre before. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back and potentially having an impact on like on their teams and on their process, which is really cool because, you know, like it, it was honestly watching the Sixers in the playoffs without Simmons was going to be a fucking bummer after yeah. we watched them lose three of their last four to end the season and drop all the way to six. Like that was just going to be like a, a blues fest mm. watching them go up in a three, six series against the Celtics. Like that just screamed like bloodbath because the aura hanging around the, the Sixers was really negative. And I mean, now with Oladipo, you know, let's say Oladipo is back at 80% of, of what we've seen at his best when he was an all NBA player yeah you're, you're right maybe the Sixers can't jump that and maybe if the standings stay the same and it's a heat versus Pacers 4-5 then you know the, the Pacers still have a pretty decent team um, mm. and outside of Bam Adebayo the they don't have a defensive big man who can hang with um, Demontis Sabonis or Miles Turner inside so you know that we might see a matchup where um, the Pacers can actually take advantage of that Twin Towers experiment that we get, we've graded with mixed results throughout the season but it, it's just kind of like it just opens up all of these really interesting things like wouldn't it be crazy if that's the way that the matchup fell and this uh, this twin towers kind of like um lineup that they've gone with ends up being the reason why they win a series not something that's holding them back mm. yeah i just think it's really yeah i think it's really fascinating 
<laughs> it is. Well, it's something that we've never actually had the chance to experience before. We've never been or lived through a global pandemic and we haven't been watching basketball while that's happening. So yeah, new for everybody, but it's, I'm just going to sort of look at it like a huge all-star break where players come back refreshed. Utah always plays well afterwards and just <laughs> everything's a little bit different, but different in the positive. I want to ask you something. So like we mentioned before, the Pelicans are currently tied with the Blazers and the Kings for the nine seed. Mm-hmm. If hypothetically, and I think that most people would agree that the Pelicans are the best team in the West, not currently in the playoff standing. I might if have to the, push back on that, but I'll push back on it. Who do you, do you think the Blazers are better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, Was I'm going to say, I'm going to say that it's the Pelicans. But we'll throw the Blazers in there as well. Uh-huh. If either of those teams finishes this eight-game regular season with within four games of Memphis, and they have to beat Memphis twice in a row in order to go through, Memphis has to win one game. Who are you taking <laughs> for the eight seed in the West? So it's Jamarant and... NBA, Jonas Valanciunas versus Damian Lillard with a fully healthy roster with Yusuf Nurkic, uh, Zach Collins, Whiteside off the bench playing minimal roles, Rodney Hood maybe even being back after a season-ending injury, or this New Orleans team that was on a bit of a tear before the league stopped. I'm probably going to pick the field and pick one of those two teams to beat the young Memphis Grizzlies. Well, who would you pick? I think I would take the Pelicans. Yeah, is Jaron Jackson is Jaron Jackson playing? Jaron Jackson was hurt, wasn't he? Yeah, but I don't think that I don't think that was a long term injury. Yeah, okay. So it's NBA Valanciunas and the second best shooting big man in the league <laughs> behind Khan Center Towns. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. But mm-hmm. I do think that like going up against like Zion going up against Jaron Jackson overall is probably pretty close to a dead heat. Like I don't know how yeah. much advantage there'll be either way. It's a fun matchup. The same with Favors against NBA Valanciunas. <laughs> the same with Drew Holiday. <laughs> the same with Drew Holiday against John Morant. But the matchup that I think turns it is that the um the Pelicans have a former Laker playing the three who made an all-star yeah. game, averages 25 points. And the Grizzlies have Dylan Brooks. Uh, and Justice um, Winslow, who might be healthy as well. Yeah, it's an, I didn't even think about Justice Winslow. That's another, yeah, man. another one that they can throw in there. Well, I feel better about Justice Winslow defending Brendan Ingram than I do Dylan Brooks. Like Dylan Brooks, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, Dylan Brooks was one of my Colin Sexton all-stars where it's like, I don't know why I like this player, but I really, really do. <laughs> but when you dig in on Dylan Brooks, you kind of like wish that you didn't. Because the advanced <laughs> numbers are like a pretty, yeah, they're pretty ugly, and I don't, uh, yeah, I don't particularly. If I'm a Memphis Grizzlies fan, Chris Vernon look away. I don't want to <laughs> see Dylan Brooks trying to guard Brandon Ingram in this yeah. little two game, this little two game stretch. Yeah, look, I think it, whichever team it is that comes into that playing against Memphis, because we're almost guaranteed to play in. I would pick the field than Memphis, but. That, you know, Jamarant could just reach another gear. We haven't seen him in the playoffs because it's his first year. But Dante, can we can we bet a picnic bar and a boost bar on this that I pick that 
uh, Portland are going to be the team to make the play-in. And you, are you picking New Orleans? Yeah, I'm picking New Orleans. A game behind Portland from the get-go, so they're handicapped. No, they're, they're both they're both tight. They're tired. Oh, <laughs> they're tired. They're okay, on, but they're on right. even footing. All right, well, I'm going with Portland and they're probably the least attractive team out of the three teams that we realistically think are in the mix. They've got the best player, though. They do, and the best player usually wins. It's true, it's true. It's really... I'm happy to bet you um, to to take you up on that bet, by the way, but (laughs) the one thing that I will say is kind of like in your favour, like it would not be hard to see Dame Lillard do do what we saw him do earlier this season where he went on mm-hmm. like a tear, like a six game stretch where he averaged 48 points and shot 50% from three. Like mm-hmm. I could definitely say it. And none of these teams, I don't think are good enough to withstand um, like a barrage like that, especially another dude who could potentially be going back, Yusuf Nurkic. If Nurk's healthy, which I think he will be because he was almost ready for a return at the end of the regular season yeah. uh, in, you know, in, in March, yeah. April, if Nurk's back, they pretty much, and Zach Collins will be back as well. That's the team that made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals <laughs> last year. Now, I'm not saying that they were <laughs> better than Houston that they were Golden top, State. I'm not saying they were a top two team in the West last year, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, the sleeping giant has awakened. But I am, <laughs> I am saying, if they can get it quickly together, then they're the best team in the field. And they're better than the Grizzlies. They're the best team in contention for the eight seed. If they can get it together quickly, the benefit that every other team has is that they've been playing the entire season with the, with the lineups. They don't have to worry about reincorporating their second best player and like one of their key role players. So I think Portland will potentially be at a disadvantage in that sense, but a big advantage by just having Dame on the team. Which is always an advantage. All right, well, let's move on to the other side of the NBA, uh, going to the bottom. So we now know the official lottery odds. So the teams that have the highest odds at the first overall pick are Golden State, Cleveland, and Minnesota. Sneaky Minnesota there with the third worst record. And I'm just going to go through a couple of small sample sizes. But before we do this, now that the Knicks and Bulls seasons are over, can we stop getting those like passive aggressive tweets and news updates that's like Boylan on the out? Uh, players don't like Boylan, and it's like Thibodeau is potentially a perfect fit if he were to get the role, which he is very much eyeing into. You know, all those reports that we're getting in the last couple of weeks that are just every different possible way to say that Tibbs is going to be the next coach. It's now like when run. it's like when Woj did his first draft for ESPN yeah. and they were like, you can't like you can't tweet the pick before <laughs> it's happened. And he was like, this team is strongly interested in player X one minute before they took the yeah, same player. Yeah. 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 yeah it's exactly been... it's exactly like that. Yeah. I mean I'd be I'd be really happy to if people stopped talking about um <laughs> Tibbs and the Knicks in the same sentence. I'd be stoked <laughs> if that was the case. Well, I had to break it to you, but it's you got three more years of it. But all right, going on to the small sample sizes. So Andrew Wiggins played one game with Steph Curry. So again, hard pretty to- good game though. <laughs> pretty good game. You know what? Stuff the sample size. That's a pretty good game. That's just starting small forward. Clint Capella played no games with Trey Young. Andre Drummond didn't play much, but if you're telling me that you watched a lot of those games, I know you're lying. And Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell have never played defense together. So a lot of things, a lot of these sort of duos and partnerships that teams are invested in and wanting to know what it looks like for the future of their franchises 
they are going to have to wait a while, which is going to be a loss of information, which is probably going to hurt. I mean, we'll, we'll never be able to quantify it, but it's probably going to hurt these teams when they go into the off season because they have less of an idea what they need in terms of building their team and making it better. Yeah, which is another, another with someone like Drummond, another indication that he will probably stand pat and that Detroit will probably, um, sorry, Cleveland will probably be happy enough just to bring him back on that big number, but just so they can actually say that they've done their due diligence and gotten a look at him for, you know, a full season. And Golden State has said that Wiggins will be back. Mm. Um, you know, take that with a grain of salt because if, if, a, if a big trade became available, uh, then, you know, and his salary is the kind of the perfect, we talked about this last week, his salary is kind of the perfect number for, um, you know, getting a big player. They could attach their first round pick or Minnesota's first round pick next year with Wiggins to just swing a trade with someone. If that happened, they wouldn't say, actually, you know what? We can't get rid of our fourth best player. We just can't do it. <laughs> We're not going to do it. We're going to hold on to him. He shoots 32% from three. Um, and he doesn't play defense. We're gonna hold on to him. They, yeah, they, I, I have a feeling that that won't be yeah. what they say. Although, so, could, I, could I just say that Ron Adams was uh, very, very happy and sounded very positive when talking about him in an article with Tim Kawakami the other day. So, um, that's something I'd say. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, can we take that? You know, take that with a grain of salt. Ron Adams universally acknowledged as one of the happiest people in the NBA. What could get him down? You know, D'Angelo Russell not playing. Defense. Yeah, well, maybe. and where is he now? Discussions about D'Angelo Russell's defense, maybe. All right, Dante, let's wrap this up. Give us your finest point. My finest point is that the finals matchup that we've all been waiting for is going to be Phoenix Suns versus the Orlando Magic because the Orlando Magic are the one team that actually does have home court advantage because not only are they in Orlando, but they're at Disney World and their name (laughs) is the Magic. They're literally in the home of Magic, the home of the Magic. They're just at home. They're going to cruise through the playoffs with home court advantage. The Bucks. Good team, but you know, home court advantage in the conference finals where they'll meet the Bucks. Actually, they're going to meet them in the first round. The Bucks, good team, home court advantage in the first round. You almost always see the team with home court advantage in the first round win, especially <laughs> you know. Yeah, well said. No, that that's exactly right. You always see the team with home court advantage win. Um, yeah, the bubble. I can't wait for the bubble. We're going to have plenty more opportunities to talk about the bubble in the coming podcasts. I'm excited, Sean. It's good to have basketball back. It's good to have basketball back when it comes back in a month. Or actually, what's the month? What's the date now? It's the fourth. Yeah, it'd be. Fourth of, oh, we got a month, man. We got be a month and a, be a month and a half, man. July thirty first is when it's all kicking off. But uh, actually, you know, we'll see. Yeah. There'll be training camps and and you know the news mill will start spinning again in early July. I'd expect. Yeah, so in between now and July, there's going to be Tibbs is hired, Boylan's fired, and then a lot of waiting. (laughs) Boylan out. (laughs) All right, well, that excites me. Anyway, uh, thanks for having a chat, Dante. I will uh, talk to you soon. I'll see you soon.